before I start, I'm uh, actually going to um, a prophetic declaration since we're back in the building. So I always want to start off with a prophetic declaration based off of what I'm going to be teaching for the night. And so tonight we're actually will be going into um, the five senses. We'll be going into this is part six. And so we're going into the senses, how the father can speak to you through your senses, being your sight, your hearing, smell, touch and taste. Amen. So if I can get the, the slide up for the prophetic declaration, we're going to go ahead and start. Amen. So I'm going to have everybody stand and repeat after me. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. So here we are, Father. All that we are and all that we hope to be. We surrender to you. We present to you our body, our soul and spirit with all of their natural and supernatural senses. May they be useful to you as instruments for accomplishing your will on earth. Heavenly Father, we ask that you open our ears so that we may hear you clearly and know your voice. We ask that you open our heart so that we may feel what you feel. We ask you to open our sense of smell so that we may discern good and evil. Heavenly Father, we ask that you open our sense of taste so that we may get rid of bitterness and no sweetness. Open our eyes so that we may see what you see and see you working in our life as this will increase our faith. Father, we are spiritual beings, your children and our spiritual senses receive your activation. In Jesus name, amen. Amen. So I always like to do that because just like with anything else, whether it's um, receiving, you know, Christ for the first time as your Lord and Savior, or it's receiving the Holy Spirit, there's always an activation process that you have to do. So this is what every time I do a prophetic declaration is it's an activation process of what we're getting ready to learn. That's getting ready to be activated in you. Amen. I get a little bit of music in the background low. If that's not too much. Yes. I want it, but I want it low. Just like a stillness in the, the atmosphere. Amen. So this is part six of the languages of the father. Part six. Now, <laughs> don't get dismayed. This is actually part six of 19. So this probably will be like the longest series. 
but it will be probably the most important part for you because like I said, you, you have to be able to hear and not only hear, but you got to be able to see and not only see, you got to be able to feel, to taste, to touch, to see what God is doing. Because it could be, like I say, it could be a life changing event for you or for another person. It could be the difference of life and death. It could be the difference of you walking in your destiny and your purpose. It can be the difference of you receiving a promotion or not even taking the job because God said don't do it. So it's very very important that you know the different ways in which the father speaks. Now, this other disclaimer that I'm putting out there. Now, this is not definitely the end of all being as far as how many ways that God can speak to you. But it's a good way to have a you have to have a foundation for something. You have to have a basic foundation of something so that, as the Bible says, you can build upon it. But as long as our foundation, like I say, is correct, then the other ways will start opening up to you that you never knew which God can speak that I won't even go over. Amen. So the first one that we're going to go over tonight is spiritual sight. Spiritual sight. And so the definition that I have up here for spiritual sight is the ability to see that which is unseen, number one. It's also when the Father uses your eyes of your spirit to show you what's happening behind the scenes. Now, I'm gonna put a disclaimer, another disclaimer out there. Now. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but there are, will be a lot of times where the different ways in which the father speaks that we have went over so far, they're going to overlap. For instance, you can fall into a trance and then have a dream. You can operate in the prophetic, but then operate in the gift of healing. You can operate in the prophetic, but also you can use the gift of discernment. So they're always overlapping one another. So when it comes to our spiritual sight, we will go over um, several different things. The one thing, first thing that we'll go over is when it comes to, so let's talk about our natural sight first. So we know that as far as our natural sight, sight is concerned that we can only see so far. Some of us need glasses, some of us are, you know, foresighted, nearsighted, whatever the case is, but we can only see so far naturally. Even if, you know, we stood outside and we looked as far as we could possibly see, we, you know, our natural eyesight or even all of our natural senses are limited in what as far as we can do. So when we're talking about um, our natural senses and we're looking at our sight specifically, we use our natural sight to pretty much see in the here and now. It doesn't give us a glimpse of tomorrow. It doesn't give us um, a glimpse of why something is taking place exactly, but it only shows up us up front what is happening. And even with that, sometimes we don't know what's happening, even when it's right there in front of us. So when it comes to our spiritual eyes, 
we have several different lenses, okay? We have several different lenses when it comes to our spiritual eyes and our spiritual sight. So, I should have definitions, yes. So, these are our lenses. The several different lenses that we have with our spiritual sight. The first is insight. I'm gonna go over all of them, but insight, hindsight, force, and foresight. So there's spiritual sight, which is the ability to see the unknown, the ability to see what's happening behind the scenes, but then there's insight, hindsight, when it comes to our senses, as far as sight is concerned. Now, insight is the ability to see what is happening now. Insight is the ability to see what is happening right now. So I'm, I'm Remind yourself, I'm talking spiritually. The ability to see what is happening now or an opportunity, the ability to act on it and to get a sense of the big picture and see the situation clearly. Now, this one is probably the hardest out of all of them because really this becomes developed in a real mature believer. Because the situation is happening right now and it really requires you to remove your emotions from the situation and tell yourself. And a lot of times it's just different things. For instance, um, it, it really it pays you best really kind of to operate and discernment with this. That's why I say each thing kind of overlaps with one another. So when you're opposite, when you're operating in insight, you're also operating in discernment. For instance, let me give you an example. Say, for instance, I, um, I keep getting these kind of crazy supervisors and I can't seem to, no matter if I move to a department or um, the supervisor moves on and we get a new supervisor, it's, it's like I'm still faced always with the same situation. Now, insight would tell you that this is a test. This has nothing to do with the supervisor. This has nothing to do with, you know, them being mean to you and giving you all of this work. This is a test. So insight would say this is a spiritual test of what the father is trying to give you, what you've been praying for. But he needs to see how mature you are. So insight would say this is a test. I have to pass this test. I failed it last time. But I'm going to pass it this time because I recognize what the enemy is doing. So it requires you to know the now as far as what is going on right now. That's insight. So hindsight. It's the ability to see why an event took place. To understand the understanding of the significance and the nature of events after they have occurred. So this happens a lot of times when, you know, you had trauma in your past or you went through something and it was just like, why would God take me through that? That was like a terrible event. Um, and so you begin to have hindsight, the ability to see why he did that, why he took you down that particular path and you begin to connect it with your purpose and your destiny you begin to connect it with 
what the like, for instance, a word of the Lord that might have came to you. and He spoke to you. Then it's like, OK, now it makes sense why he would do that. That's hindsight. So foresight, on the other hand, is the ability to see far out. And this deals more in the prophetic and the gift of prophecy because you're seeing far out. You're seeing ahead in advance. You are to be able to foresee or prepare wisely for the future. Now, this one in particular kind of gets me. I don't want to say in trouble, but I'm going to use that word because operating in the office of a prophet, you're always looking far out. You, when it comes to people, the good part about it is like when people present themselves to you and they're broken or they're down and they're depressed. When I see people, I don't see people, poor to say. I see who God created them to be. And so when I counsel people, my, my counseling is different than regular counseling because I'm operating from the standpoint of who God created you to be. I can literally see what God created this person to be. So I start ministering to them from that basis instead of, well, let's just talk about the depression. Let's just talk about the problem. You know, and so it's a different type of counseling because I'm using my foresight in order to counsel. So with all of these, whether it be insight, hindsight, or foresight, the one thing that you must know is that wisdom is always behind the scenes of all of this. Wisdom is always behind the scenes of insight, hindsight, and foresight. And with that, the whole, what the Holy Spirit does, it reveals to you with the spirit of wisdom already knows. So the first scripture that we want to go to is Second Kings six and seventeen. Do I have it up there? Second Kings six and seventeen. It said, then Elisha, S-H, prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elijah was filled with horses and chariots of fire. So he thought he was outnumbered. But when Elisha prayed that his eyes would be open to see in the spirit, the eyes of his heart, not his natural eyes, because we already know he didn't have a problem with his, his natural sight. So we know that it was all in, de in dealings with his spiritual sight, what was wrong. He could not see spiritually. So what he did, he prayed to the Lord to open his eyes and let him see, which means what? We can have that same prayer. We can have that same prayer for family members. We can have that same prayer for loved ones. We can have that same prayer for our children. Father, open their eyes so they can see. Because sometimes people, it's not the fact that they're trying to fight against you. It's a lot of times they just can't see what you see.
So the Father can speak to us through our spiritual senses of sight to see his plans, what he's trying to do, his purpose, his will, and the other side of that to discern what demonic forces, spiritual wickedness as well is trying to do, which is also kind of attached to warfare. Because you can't do warfare if you don't know what you're fighting against. You got to be able to see what you're fighting against in order to even enter into warfare. So let's go to 2 Kings 2 and 15. 2 Kings 2 and 15. Amen. It says, when the sons of the prophets who were watching... This is the Amplified Version. Opposite at Jericho saw him. They said the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed down to the ground before him in respect. So it says when the sons of the prophet who were watching opposite at Jericho, what saw him? So Elijah, J with a J, we know that Elijah was translated into heaven. So Elijah received a double portion of the spirit that was on Elijah and he received his mantle. So it says here that the sons of the prophet did what they saw. Meaning that they saw in the spirit because this was not something... (laughs) That was in as far as a natural sight is concerned. So they had to see the mantle upon Elijah in order, as they said, they bow down to the ground before him in respect. Why would they do that? They saw the anointing on him. They saw the mantle of power resting upon him. So oftentimes how this works is that, and I'm pretty sure you guys have experienced this too, and if not, you will experience this. A lot of times, like when um, people come in or I meet new people or I counsel new people or you're just talking to people casually, God will actually start revealing to you um, that person's calling, that this person is called to the ministry of healing this person is called to evangelism this person is called to become a teacher a pastor whatever so you I will begin to see actually the mantle that is on that person now I can't explain to you what it exactly looks like because in that moment it's like something becomes uncovered and for a split second I can literally see it like resting upon the person. It's in it's in their demeanor. It's in their speech. It's in everything about them. It's 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 like it's embedded inside of them. But it's definitely like I say it's nothing natural. It's just something spiritual that you see upon the person. So let's see. 2nd Kings 6 16 through 18, the message version. 
and he said, don't worry about it. There are more on our side than on their side. Then Elijah prayed, O God, open his eyes and let him see. The eyes of the young men were open and saw a wonder, the whole mountainside full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elijah. When the Arameans attacked, Elijah prayed to God, strike these people blind. And God struck them blind, just as Elijah said. So Elijah, the prophet, prayed for the eyes of the servants to be open. So likewise, this is actually goes with the scripture we're going to go into next. But like I say, we can always ask the father to not only enlighten or open our own ability to see, but others ability to see. So we're going to go into that in Ephesians 1 and 18, the Amplified Version. Ephesians 1 and 18. And it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart. That very center and core of your being may be enlightened, meaning flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you may know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee and confident expectation to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people. So the father will sometimes open our spiritual eyes to the spirit realm. Like I say, like I say, there's nothing to be afraid of, but you will literally see I've seen spiritual like demonic things attached to people. I've seen change chains attached to people in the spirit. And they'll come to me and say, I'm, you know, I don't know why I feel bound. I don't know why I feel depressed, not knowing that literally there's things attached to them in the spirit that actually has to be prayed off. That has to be they have to go into fasting. They have to go into prayer. They have to do deliverance. So the father will also communicate to our natural eyes and uses them as gates to open them up to the world of the spirit. So the father must open our spiritual eyes or senses, not us. We're not opening anything. We're asking the father to open them for us because only he can activate that in us. But it requires us actually to ask for them to be open. Second one we're going to go into tonight is spiritual hearing. Spiritual hearing. Now, the definition of spiritual hearing is to be on the frequency level to hear sound waves from heaven. To hear the audible voice of the Father. You also hear angelic voices. You also hear music in the spirit. You hear instructions in the spirit. And you also can hear the Holy Spirit quickening you. So, for instance, um, I kind of explained this to people several different times, but as I was in prayer about leaving my job, I actually could feel myself detaching from my job. But as I was in prayer about the actual time frame that I needed to leave and the date, I did not get that date and that time frame in prayer. 
I prayed about it while I was in prayer, but I did not get the time frame while I was in prayer. Now, once I got to work and put my foot over the threshold of the door, that is when the word came to say, today is your last day. Now, I was in prayer about it. Didn't hear nothing until I went to work. Now, the reason why I bring that up, because there are going to be times when the spirit is high and you feel the unction to pray for somebody or you you hear you hear or you feel God pushing you to go lay hands on a person or you know there's something going on with that person and so what happens they but you don't know what to say to the person because you haven't got the instructions you feel the spirit pushing you to do it but it's like okay but what I'm going to do once I get there and so what ends up happening is that God is is in that point is requiring you to go and as you go he will give you what to say so there are situations where he'll give you the instructions right then and there okay she's sick go lay hands on her blah 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 she's going with this you know go help deliver her but a lot of times it won't be that way it'll be as you go he will give you the instructions then there's actually a lot of scriptures in the bible that deals with that example um when um, he was uh, dealing with uh, the leopard that as they went, they got healed. As they left, they got healed. So let's go through some scriptures that deal with hearing Matthew 11 and 15. We're kind of going to kind of I don't want to say rush through these, but we're kind of go right through these. Matthew 11 and 15. It says he that have ears to hear, let him hear. Now, you already got ears, but you're talking about your spiritual ears. He that have ears, let him hear. Revelation 2 and 29 says, So the one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is presently saying to all the churches. Isaiah 50 and 4 says the Lord Yahweh has equipped me with the anointed skillful tongue of a teacher to know how to speak a timely word to the weary how is that possible by hearing morning by morning what he awakens my heart he opens my ears but to hear his voice to be trained to teach which lets you know you have to have the ability to hear not only to minister to the weary, but also you have to have the ability to hear in order to teach. Exodus 4 and 12. Says, now go. I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you in what to say. Now, this was 
during the period of time when he was talking to Moses and Moses was going back and forth with him talking about, you know, I don't speak eloquently and I got to stutter and, you know, I don't know what to say. And <laughs> he was giving him all his excuses. He's like, look, just go. And as you go, once again, I will instruct you in what you are to say. It's not going to be you. Just let me use your, your, your heart. Let me use your mind. Let me use your mouth. I will give you what to say. Just be able to hear me and to speak. Psalms 119 and 147 says, I rise before dawn and cry in prayer for help. And then what? I wait for your word. So there's a time for prayer. There's a time for tongues. There's a time for praying and understanding, but there's also a time for silence because you've been praying out loud in your understanding and your tongues. Now you got to be quiet to listen, to hear what he has to say. So this really all comes down to spending time with the father on a daily basis and really getting into the word because really that is really what's going to help you actually in all of these that we go through it's going to high it's going to pretty much highlight everything the more you get in the word the more intimate time you spend with the father the more this stuff amplifies for instance when somebody calls you and you know an unfamiliar voice because guess what? You don't talk to that person a lot. And so you're like, who is this? <laughs> Even an unfamiliar phone call or text. You're like, you text them back, who is this? Because it's unfamiliar. And, and the thing about it is that, like I say, we have to spend more time in order for that voice to become familiar. So if you're struggling with any of these or just hearing God's voice at all, it's because his voice is unfamiliar with you because you haven't spent enough time. You know if an auntie call you, you know when a grandparent call you, you know that voice. You know even when one of your children <laughs> cry you know which you know a serious cry versus a not serious cry why because you're familiar all right number 31 spiritual smells and scents this one is interesting because not a lot of people actually experience this spirit and some people actually do but I think it's like one of the most interesting spiritual smells and scents. So spiritual smells and scents is to discern is several different things, really. Number one, to discern in the spirit. The release of a sweet aroma or fragrance, a prayer or the presence of the father. It has a, a scent to it. To literally smell fragrances spiritually to target problems, illnesses, or attack demonic influences. Spiritual smells and scents. So it has been said that dogs' sense of smell is 10 times stronger than humans. So police dogs are actually trained at an early age to discern and distinguish bad things like bombs, 
missing people, criminals on the run, and they use the scent or the odor from what? A person's clothing to find them sometimes. So the father uses our nose of our spirit to smell in the spirit. Now, the father wants to sharpen our discernment of the spirit to smell. But at the same time, we got to make sure that what? We're asking in order to activate. So James Gall is actually one of the pioneers of, um, of prophets. Um, that's G-O-L-L. -L. And he said in one of his books, he said, our goal should be to share the fragrance of heaven that we have inhaled. Our goal should be to share the fragrance of heaven that we have inhaled. So let's look at Genesis 27 and 27. And it says, and he came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, see, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Now, we all know the, the story of um, Jacob and Esau and how he tried to steal his blessing. But here we, sh we see that Esau, he's basically telling you that Esau had a, uh, and a smell to him that allowed, because, you know, the father being, you know, sick and not really being able to, to see, they tried to take, well, Jacob tried to take advantage of that. But his son Esau actually had a smell to him. He said right here that my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Philippians 4 and 18. And it says, at the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Aphrodite's. They are a sweet smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. So when we do things or when we pray or when we come in here and we sense the presence of God, there is actually an aroma that goes up before God that is pleasing. So the father created our sense of smell for our understanding for what is bad and for what is good. So, for example, how do we know as far as naturally is concerned, how do we know when an egg is rotten? How do we know that? By the sense of smell. How do we know when meat is rotten? By the sense of smell. So our sense of smell actually protects us also from bad things. And it's the same way in the spirit that we can actually detect and smell also, like I said, there's a lot of people operate in this, but not many, but you can. People can actually detect and smell sin. People actually can detect and smell in the spirit when you're sick. Let's go to Ephesians 5 and 2. It says, and walk continually in love that is value one another. Practice empathy and compassion. 
unselfishly seeking the best for others, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and sacrifice to God, slain for you, so that it became a sweet fragrance. So before he offered himself up as a sacrifice, he's letting you know that our sin pretty much in the nostrils of God, it is stinked in his nostrils. So not only did a sacrifice need to be given, but when the sacrifice was given, the stench of our sin was replaced with the sweet fragrance of the lamb that was slain. So when your sense of smell is activated and being exercised, not only will you be able to discern the sweet aroma of Christ and sense the presence of the Father, but you will also be able to encounter also strange demonic odors of death, sickness, infirmities, foul or perverted spirits operating inside of people and keeping them bound. So, for instance... I really do not like going to um, certain parts of metropolitan Atlanta. It literally makes you sick. You can smell in the air the, the drugs. You can smell the sin in the air. You can literally smell it in the air and it literally like makes me sick. To the point, like I'd be telling my husband, we gotta, <laughs> we have to go because I'm, I'm getting, I'm literally getting sick because you can smell it so much in the air. Or, for instance, I used to work in the, um, when I was in Illinois in the hospital for a very long time because that's where I actually I got my start working in a, a trauma hospital, and I had worked there for so long that it had its own smell to it. And, and I just became, I just hated the smell. Uh, and it was just really, it just, the smell of sickness and people sick, it, it just gets to you after a while and you just got to come out of it. Because it does, after a while, it just gets to you. In the same way, when I worked in um, the nursing home, it wasn't the fact that, you know, you're cleaning people and stuff like that. It just, it has this smell to it that is, is indescribable. <laughs> And it, like I say, it has nothing to do with cleaning the people and them being old. It just, it just has this odor to it that it's like, you know, you ever played like sports real rigorous and you just can't get the odor out of the clothing. <laughs> it's just, it's like one of those kinds like it just can't go anywhere. It don't matter how much cleaning you do. We have one more to go. Spiritual touch. We have one more to go. Spiritual touch. Now, spiritual touch is spiritual emotions or feelings that can be discerned without being physically touched. To be pretty much, this is really operates when you're moved with compassion. Spiritual emotions are feelings that can be discerned without being physically touched to be moved with compassion. And the first scripture we're going to go to is Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. We're going to be reading the message version of this. And it says, now that we know what we have, Jesus 
this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is, he is so ready to give. Take the mercy and accept the help. Now it tells us he has been touched in all points. He sympathizes us with us. That's why he's able to walk in compassion no matter what we go through because his spirit has been touched at all points, not his physical body, but his spirit has been touched at all points. So it doesn't matter if you're going through something on a job. It doesn't matter if you have an incurable disease. It doesn't matter if you're, you're struggling with letting somebody go and you know they're not good for you. He say he has been touched at all points and he can sympathize with you. So in the realm of worshiping the Father, we can feel and sense his presence. That is also part of spiritual touch because a lot of time he touches us spiritually. It's not the fact that we feel him naturally touching us. He touches us in our heart. He touches us in our spirit. He touches us in our minds. Mark 5 and 25 through 29. That's Mark 5, 25 through 29. And it says, a certain woman, which had an issue of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment for she said if I may touch but his clothes I should be made whole and straightway the fountain the found fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague now two interesting things about this remember we're talking about spiritual touch the first interesting thing about this is that number one she did not touch his physical body. She said, if I would just what? Touch, the other version of this is the hem of his garment. This version says touch his clothes, but no matter if it was that version, King James, or the message version, or whatever version, none of the versions says that she touched him physically. All of the versions say that she touched his clothes. That's the first interesting thing. The second thing is that, and I think it's the next scripture after this, Mark 5 and 31, it says, therefore the disciples that were with him said, you said, you see the crowd pressing in on you and you said, who touched me? Really? <laughs> now this woman touched your clothes <laughs> and you felt virtue come out of you. You felt healing come out. But there's several people touching you physically and nothing came out. So this lets us know that spiritual touch has nothing to do with somebody touching you physically. It is spiritually. So the father 
will speak to us concerning who needs healing or a breakthrough by allowing us to what? Number one, feel an impression to indicate what is going on in someone else's body. So we actually might start feeling sick based off of that other person being sick and God is really trying to talk to you. The father's trying to talk to you and say, hey, Ola has an upset stomach. So guess what he'll do? He'll allow you to feel your, your stomach being upset. He begins to talk to you about Ola. And then guess what? You know exactly what is wrong with her because you're feeling actually what she's feeling. You're being touched just like Jesus said in all points. You're being touched just like whatever's going on with her. You feeling it spiritually. And therefore, you know what to pray for in regards to her healing. Second thing, you may begin to feel in your own body the actual pains or wounds of another where it might be emotional. You might be in prayer and all of a sudden, you know, your mind is beginning to get attacked. That's not all the time just the enemy just attacking you. That is also times where um, you are feeling how another person is feeling mentally. And then God begins to speak to you about that person, how they're feeling mentally. So you know exactly what to target when you go to pray for that person. And then number three, there will be times when the father will use you in the prophetic when you do not get an initial impression or word from the father. And we talked about this in order for you to lay hands on um, a person. So let me give you an example of this. And I think I think I told a few of you guys this. But when we were at Lionheart or even when we started our ministry in our home and we would come and we would pray in the circle. I don't want to say I hate, but <laughs> when we pray in a circle and I begin like to touch people's hands, it's like instantly stuff begin to become like downloaded in me when I touch people's hands. I'm so serious. I'm telling you there is something about the hands of a person and I'm serious. That is why, what is it, um, what is it, uh, psychics? That's why psychics and medium, they want your hand. I'm telling you, because there's something about the hand. It's like a portal. And so, because when, when I noticed when we hold, when we held hands in, because we used to do that a lot at Lionheart, they would like start prayer like that. And we hold hands like, when I tell you, just to touch somebody's hand, it causes an immediate download of the Father speaking to me about that, whoever hand I'm touching. So I, every time we go in prayer, I would try to really just touch familiar people. Like I would touch my, my husband's hand and get somebody else's hand. Cause like, cause sometimes it would be like, I don't want to say, I don't want to say an inconvenience, but it's instant. When I tell you it's instantaneous, it's instant. It's something that you gotta be ready for. It's like, you can't come in like in your own agenda. You can't come in cause you don't feel, it's like one of those things that you gotta be ready. Like as soon as I touch somebody's hand, I gotta be ready to give a word cause I know it's coming. 
So we also want to keep in mind that while Jesus was on the earth, he also was, um, as the Bible said, moved with compassion through um, our natural feelings. Because like I said, because a lot of times, you know, as I think Ola has this a lot that she likes real compassionate. She gets overwhelmed with compassion. And a lot of times, like I say, that's really God speaking. Like he be really you can start hearing him speak. It's like you get overwhelmed with compassion and then he starts to speak. So a lot of times when that happened, what you want to do is actually kind of um, start praying in the spirit when that happens, because actually it's like an activation process for you to hear what he's he's trying to tell you because he wouldn't give you that feeling and use that spiritual touch as far as your senses is concerned if he wasn't trying to do something okay so we're going to look at a few scriptures about the touch and the power of God and then we're going to go into our last one which is spiritual taste but let's go to Matthew 8 and 3 And it says, and Jesus put forth his hand and did what? And touched him, saying, I will be thy clean. And immediately his leprosy was clean. Mark 1 and 41 says, moved with compassion for his suffering, Jesus reached out with his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing be cleansed. The first one, he stretched out his hand to heal because somebody came to him for healing and he touched them and they was healed. The second one, he literally was moved by compassion and then he healed. Just giving you the two different sides to it, how it, you know, it can be done or how he can speak to you regarding, you know, healing. So also I want you to uh, keep in mind that our bodies are to host the seed in Christ in us and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So we want to make sure that we are taking care of our body, especially when operating in the senses. For, for instance, if we're um, sick because we haven't been really taking care of our body, we've been eating wrong and stuff like that, and God wanted to use you in regards to healing or touch or use that sense, then it becomes complicated because you're already sick. So to feel another part of a sickness for another person, you might think that that's your, that's your, that's your sickness. That's not no one else's sickness. So that's why I said you always want to make sure that you're doing taking care of the temple. Because as we are spirit first, we do live, you know, it lives in this body. We have to take care of this body because God uses all things for his purpose. So we got to take care of our spiritual selves and our not natural selves. And the last one, spiritual taste. Spiritual taste. Now, as far as taste, spiritual taste is concerned, I do have the definition. Oh, I have the, do I have the definition anywhere in one of the slides for spiritual taste? Because I wanted to go over that first. Is it not up there? Okay. It says the Hebrew translation. Okay, yes, so taste, spiritual taste. 
The Hebrew translation uh, for spiritual taste, the word taste is ta'am. Ta'am means to taste figuratively. And it also means to perceive mentally or by the taste of flavor, to experience the word and to taste it and become familiar with. So it's two sides to spiritual taste. The one side of spiritual taste is when God actually uses your natural ability to taste something and he puts that in your mouth in order to speak to you regarding something. Then there's the taste, spiritual taste concern that deals with the actual word of experiencing the word and that's why, which we'll go into the scripture, but it says to taste and see that the Lord is good. So there's two different sides of this. So the Bible says to taste, to experience and enjoy, to be a partaker of, and to see, which means to recognize, to perceive in your mind, or receive revelation from. So let's go to Revelation 10, 10 through 11. Revelation 10, 10 through 11. And it says... I took the little scroll from the hand of the mighty angel and ate it. Indeed, it was sweet as honey to taste, but after I had eaten it, my stomach turned bitter. Then they said to me, you must go back and prophesy again to many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Now, looking at this, you would probably think that this brother really ate the scroll. <laughs> <laughs> but he did not. He did, this was not a literal eaten scroll. <laughs> Let me just tell you that. Now, he said it was sweet as honey to taste. There are, I want to say three, but it might be four. But there, are, when it talks about the word and it talks, it gives us a connotation as far as food is concerned. It talks about the milk of the word. It talks about the meat of the word. And then it talks about actually the honey of the word. So he was, he said, indeed, it was sweet as honey to taste, meaning that when he read the scroll and he received it, right, he said it was sweet to what? It was sweet to his soul. Okay, he said, but after he had eaten it, it had got bitter in his stomach. Why did it get bitter in his stomach? Because he had received the word, but the word was not for him. So a lot of times when God gives you something first, but then he tells you, he starts speaking to you to, okay, go give this word to another person and you don't do it. It's just like this, like he experienced, it becomes bitter now in you because now you have ate the word, number one, that don't belong to you. Number two, you haven't delivered the word and now it's becoming like you ate expired food. And that's why it becomes bitter in your stomach because now it's not for you. And that's why a lot of times the word says as freely as you have received, freely give it away. It's just like um, saving up a whole lot of money. Now the Lord told you it's time to save, but then he tell, turn around and tell you it's time to give. Now, if you don't give like he say to give, then guess what? Something starts happening to your money. It's a spiritual process. So, 
Psalms 34 and 8. It says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in him. It says, O taste and see. I was talking to um, Pastor Pierre about this. And, and I think I also said this in another message that I was um, teaching or preaching on, whatever it is, whatever I do. <laughs> Teach or preach, both. Um, but I was talking to Pastor Pierre about this and I was telling him that when I see something in the word and I read it and I haven't experienced it, it's like I become upset because I'm like, OK, well, why haven't I experienced this? Only a few reasons why I haven't experienced it. Either I don't know enough about how to get it or receive it or I'm not mature enough yet in order to receive it. Or like I say, I just no one has taught me and I haven't received, you know, the grace on that teaching in order to operate in it because the Bible tells us to taste and see, which means to not only read, we're not only just supposed to be just reading the word, we're supposed to be experiencing what we're reading. So we're supposed to be tasting it, which means that it's, it's supposed to have like a, it's supposed to be being fulfilled. We're supposed to have a fullness of the word when we read it and an experience of it as well. So let's go to Matthew four and four. Matthew four and four. And it says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Now, why would he say that? <laughs> talking about spiritual taste because there's a there's a time and a place to eat as far as your body is concerned but that does absolutely nothing for your spiritual man absolutely nothing that's why you can't live by bread alone it's doing great stuff for your body for you to live but you're dying a spiritual death on the inside And then I have actually the, the, so you can see actually a different kind of side of this. I have Matthew 4 and 4 again up here, but it's in the message version. And it says, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. Which goes with what I just said. So there's bread for food to eat. And there's spiritual bread that we eat for the nourishment of our bodies for inter internal soul growth. And our last scripture that we're going to be um, going over. Ezekiel 3, 2 through 4. Ezekiel 3, 2 through 4. Now, this is kind of crazy because this same scripture is actually um, and we just read in Revelation, but it's also in Ezekiel in which we know a lot of times it was a foreshadow. But I wanted to bring out something specific in this particular verse that was in Ezekiel. So I opened my mouth and he fed me the scroll 
Fill your stomach with this, he said. And while, when I ate it, it tastes as sweet as honey in my mouth. Then he said, son of man, go to the people of Israel and give them my message. Now, there are occurrences where people have literally tasted things in their mouths like they literally tasted like a lemon taste in their mouth or they tasted like a bitter taste in their mouth and it had nothing to do with the fact that they had just ate something bitter or sour but it has all to do with something that as far as God trying to speak to them about a particular issue for instance you might taste something bitter in your mouth and you may think like oh I need to drink some water or something I just can't stand this taste in my mouth but God is really trying to speak to you in regards to somebody that's is harboring bitterness in their heart so that's why I said this definitely is an activation process because a lot of times we just we just go on kind of like day to day and we don't even recognize that God really is trying to talk to us in several different ways. It's like, or for instance, we'll sometimes taste like this, this like um, mercury taste sometimes in our mouth. And the people will chop it up as, you know, well, I probably need to eat this type of vegetable or I need to, you know, I'm mineral, mineral deficient or something. No, <laughs> it could be sometimes that the father is trying to speak to you in regards to whoever you're around or whoever you need to pray for. So a lot of times when you have those kind of situations you do, you need to be more mindful and really going to prayer and ask the father, are you trying to speak to me in regards to a person or even myself? You're trying to tell me something about myself. Am I harboring bitterness? Am I harboring unforgiveness, you know, resentfulness? So also in regards to um, spiritual taste, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, have you ever read the word or listened to a message to the point where you literally, you left full, you left feeling like, woo, that was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot to digest. That's what we call spiritual taste that you actually ate the word, your spirit actually ate the word and got full. It's the same way naturally when, guess what? When you eat too much naturally, and guess what? You didn't ate what, heavy meats and carbs? Guess what? That stuff is hard to digest. It gotta go, you know, it has to digest like two to three days for it to digest based off of what you ate. Stuff like lettuce and lentils and soup, that stuff is easy to digest based on what type of food it is. And it translates over into the spirit as well. Depending on the, the, the teaching that you're sitting underneath, depending on the word that you're reading, depending on where you are in your relationship with God, whether you're reading the milk, whether you're reading the meat of the word or the honey of the word, that you walk away with different nourishments of the word for your spiritual growth, just like anything naturally you would eat. Amen. So that's what the really the father wants us to do. He wants us to when it comes to spiritual taste, he wants us. That's why the Bible says that we need daily bread. It's part of our spiritual taste. We have to have daily bread. We can't um, use the bread that we ate yesterday because it's spoiled. 
So we also, when we're talking about spiritual taste and the Father talking to us, we have to have fresh food, just like we have fresh food every day in which we eat. Amen. Amen. So let me pray out. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you will begin to open our spiritual senses, Lord God. Thank you for opening our sight. Thank you for opening.